Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 159 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and this is part two of my interview with the very talented Dave Clayton. He is a graphic designer, the training manager at Astute Graphics. He also is an instructor with Kelby One. He's an instructor at Photoshop World, and he's also the author of How Do I Do That in InDesign, and also the co-host of the He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Boy, this gentleman has a lot on his plate, like I mentioned in part one. If you haven't listened to part one, head back and do that now. That's his intro story, how he got to where he is, how the astute graphics role came about. And uh, he also (laughs) tells us about uh, how he used to love the idea of making ransom notes. Now, in this episode, part two, this is where we get to the nitty gritty, the tough stuff. The stories that sucked me in and just pulled on my heartstrings and I just felt for him. He tells us about a job that was incredibly defeating to him. No matter how great the work he was doing was, there was always something that he got crushed for. He also talks about the complete contrast of the great things that were going on in his life and the perspective switch of realizing that I'm here and I'm here for a reason and this will be over soon. We also get into the journey of how he got to writing the book. He's now an author. How do I do that in InDesign? He tells us that story and what was involved with that. Dave also tells us about why website design just did not work for him. And he also tells us about the Armchair Supporter magazine that he created early in his career. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a fantastic interview, and part two delivers. So let's get to it. Part two with Mr. Dave Clayton. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? So, I have a feeling that that is going to tie into one of these later questions here. Um, but I wanted to get to some questions here that take you down part of your career, Dave, where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull a couple of those stories out of you. Okay. Um, so first off, what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? A couple of things. One's lighthearted, one's quite serious. The lighthearted one was the most challenging part of my design career was telling people I could make websites. (laughs) (laughs) Because not only do you then commit to building websites, because at the time they were the best money you could earn Mm -hmm. from doing something, they never end at all, ever. There is no finish on a website. And anyone listening that's built websites will know this, that probably 10 years on, they still get a call going, how do I change? The other flip side to that is 
suddenly you're now everyone's IT guy because you can use a computer. Yeah. So that I I seriously found that frustrating. That was a, a something I had. You know, we all do it. We all want to earn money and build it, but it was a it was a part of my design life. I wish I'd never taken on. Uh-huh. The second one was actually kind of one of the worst times of my career uh-huh. but and a really important time in my career so i'm not going to name names no for sure but i i ended up working in a job um i left the company and i took a job with a design company uh-huh. and thinking uh, a i needed a pay rise they were offering that b i needed to get a mortgage and i couldn't on my previous salary uh-huh. uh, they kind of headhunted me uh, which was quite flattering. And it was came at a time in my life at the company I was at where I needed a change. Mm-hmm. So I joined them. Joined them as, uh, as a studio manager, uh, two people working under me. And I was there for seven months. And it was the most painful, horrible seven months of my design existence Oy. in terms of working working in such a creative role and being absolutely stifled to the to the point of i i would just go home like absolutely shattered because of just the constant feeling of of being made to feel not good enough Mm. um which was hard because i desperately needed to get the mortgage through i desperately needed to get through that process and that was quite stressful anyway because the bank were kind of just kept asking for more and more paperwork and it was a house that was a little bit more than than we wanted to pay but when i tried to explain it to people what it was like working at this particular place was i would say imagine cinderella and i'm not likening myself to cinderella (laughs) we don't we have different (laughs) fashion sense but imagine cinderella sweeps like a six-story house from top to bottom that house is spotless when she finishes mm-hmm. and the ugly sisters come in and say, why didn't you put the broom away? Mm-hmm. It was that every single day, you know, no matter how hard you worked, how many hours you did, no matter how much extra effort you put into something, all that came at the end of it was a criticism about another thing. It was never well done. It was never, you know, great job. Oh, I love what you did there. It was just like relentless, just picking and picking and picking. Now, the good thing about it was uh, I got, uh, (laughs) my friend doesn't, (laughs) always always has a go at me for this, but my friend Russell, he, uh, I got him to come and join me. And sadly, he kind of went through the same process as me and he left. But we got to work together and we we developed a really good relationship with it. It was a guy I kind of knew, but we didn't really spend enough time together. And when we worked together, it really blossomed our friendship. Um, We actually got through it together. Um, I make it sound like it was I was in the trenches in World War One. It wasn't, (laughs) you know, first world problems, but it was a challenge. But what came out of it was I was able to get the mortgage over the line. Uh, I was able to leave on my terms uh, very satisfactorily and walk into a much, much better job. So well, that was the hardest seven months and the worst seven months of my design career. It uh-huh. actually, I actually needed it to be part of my life to be able to move on to something better. So 
Yeah, see that now the the trouble with that and you know there's many people that have been through a situation like that or are in a situation like that you don't realize you know the importance of what you just said you needed that in your career. Yeah. You needed that to know not only where you stand, where your limits are, um but there's lessons and learning things that go along Absolutely. with it. But the trouble is is that it's almost impossible to see it in the moment. Yeah. And I, the good thing was, is because I was old enough to sort of understand the behavior I was um, having to experience, mm-hmm. I was able to plan around it. I was able to manipulate it and use it to my advantage. Um, because when you know something's coming, it's so much easier to plan how you can deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, the first half of it was hard. The second half of it, I then knew the mortgage was going to happen. I already then knew I had a new, brand new job coming, but I couldn't leave until the mortgage crossed the line. Mm-hmm. So the second half of it was easier to deal with because there were positives coming. Mm-hmm. But man, you learn so much when you work for difficult employers and difficult clients that I think, you know, when some some young designers sort of decide I'm going to leave school and work from my mum and dad's house and, you know, not to criticize. And I know Mark Herons is in this position, but when they don't work somewhere and they don't ever have to deal with shitty people, um, they, they could come unstuck later on in life when they do. And then all of a sudden you, you know, you can get very precious about it and think, you know, well, how can someone treat me like that? People do, people suck. And 100%. When, when, when people have power over you and, and you know, they're giving you money that's paying your wages and paying your mortgage, people can suck even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a hard thing to deal with. It's something I just think we, we've all had or we all will have at some point in our lives. Definitely. But yeah, take, take every negative um, and learn something from it. It's, it's a great lesson. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. There's, there's thing, the lessons come from that and you find out, you know, for lack of a better term, you find out what you're made of in exactly. those situations. Um, yeah. but damn, they do not feel good. <laughs> no, no. The what you know, the one lovely thing about it, I was remember I, I had this really bad day and it, it was to the point of, should I just quit and go and work in the supermarket? Um, Mm-hmm. just just put money on the table and you know forego the the moving house which would have been really difficult but um so i, I mentioned i was part of i'm part of kelby one and the guy that runs kelby one scott kelby is um one of the biggest best-selling authors of photography books on mm-hmm. amazon if you go and search him it's like every book nearly every book's his and he wrote this book and i suddenly got some messages coming through that sort of said Oh, Dave, you must feel really, you must feel great about this. This must, how awesome do you feel right now? I'm sitting in my car, like absolutely drained from a really bad day at work thinking, how can anybody think I'm having a good day? (laughs) So I messaged one of my friends back and said, I really don't understand what's going on, what's happened. And he sent me a picture and the, the, the dedication in this book of Scott's was to me. And it was just a lovely message and i actually sat in a car and i and i got upset because i'd had like this polar opposite i'd had this really bad day at work uh-huh. to the point where 
should I quit and risk everything we're trying to do to just this little dedication in this book actually made me think I won't swear <laughs> but maybe just think do you know what F it this this guy who is at the top of his game runs the you know the biggest online training company of its kind puts on the you know the, the biggest conference of its kind he said that about me in his book he dedicated his book to me I am good I am a nice person I am you know there is value in what I do mm. and and I drove home and I told my wife and you know the book came through and that that from that moment I thought I'm not having a day like that again uh-huh. I'm just just that little just that one little thing really helped massively that not you know you what your wife and your family all your family will tell you how great you are all day long uh-huh. but when you get the opposite end like someone said be feedback when you get feedback for anything take the best one out and the worst one out because the best one out is your mum and she'll always say lovely things about you. Uh-huh. And the worst one is your worst enemy that no matter, even if you found the cure for cancer, they would still criticize you and attack you. 100%. So t- take those away. So when you have a good and a bad, it's, it is good how you can really take that positive and just crush that negative, uh-huh. you know, into to dust and get your mindset back on, you know, th- this is who I am this is i'm not bad i'm i'm good at what i do so i'm just true. working for bad people so true i've had you know a very similar moment to that where it was a very defeating day and i just i needed good news i needed something <laughs> and it, you know it it was sort of the last day but prior to it, it was a month of just crushing defeats and challenges and struggles and you know you're you're physically and mentally exhausted at the end of it but then yeah. you get a message like that. Yeah. It's just like you could easily, you easily burst into tears and just like, yeah, okay, this is different. Yeah. And no, that was good. I mean, I'd have taken the ice cream truck driving into the car park as a positive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there it is. But yeah. That's the sign. <laughs> yeah. That, but that was, yeah. You know, we've, I think we, we've just got to take the rough with the smooth. Yes. It, it's part of life. You've totally. got, you've got to do it and, and learn something from it every single time. All right, Dave, I got one more tough one, and then I'm going to turn this bus around. Um, Okay. Take us to a specific design or a specific project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Oh, trying to think. I'd I'd say probably the whole website thing. Mm -hmm. I think I've probably suffered the most pain around designing i've never designed a good website i've I've just never i don't treasure anything yeah i ever i ever built in web um it was a it was something that i learned to do quite quickly uh with advent of wordpress helped but um I did. In fact, when I moved to Swindon, I worked for a company called Creative Rush, and mm-hmm. I'll give them a shout out because there was a guy called Phil Dixon who was our web guy, and he taught me to understand PHP and CSS. And I was only there for nine months. Mm-hmm. We were all only there for nine months, and uh, before the doors closed. But Phil got me to taught me how to understand it, and using the Firefox debug thing i'm able to look at a website and sort of reverse engineer what's going on. Mm-hmm. So yep. I can't write code. But I can look at code and go, ah, I can see that that needs changing. So I learned a lot about web, 
I hated doing websites that that hands down um i can't i can't i don't recall anything graphically that i've that i could that, that springs to mind that makes mm-hmm. me f- gives me the shivers or makes the hair stand up <laughs> on my back <laughs> all right well it's you told gem- the, you actually nailed stuff. it with a pretty good story um you know about the most challenging time in your career so i'll let you off with that one okay um, and I'll turn it around here for you now. So I want you to tell right. us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing. Um, I would say two things at the moment. Um, well, firstly, my 10-year-old daughter is a, is going to be a graphic designer. Oh, so cool. anything we create together, I let her loose on Illustrator. Like, darling, you can't break it and you can't break the internet. Go for it. Yeah. I love working with her on stuff i love we sit and watch skillshare videos together um and learn things together that's really satisfying from uh, a satisfaction point of view i would say the two biggest things at the moment that i'm really proud of is finishing the book mm-hmm. um knowing how much faith people had in me that mm-hmm. where they could have gone and hired someone way more qualified but they said it's not about qualification, it's about passion. You've got mm-hmm. a passion for what you do, and I know you write the book that you would want. So I'm really, really proud of that because I said, you know, it, that's that's money for my kids. That's a holiday for my kids. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing has been the podcast um, that will be two years old in February. We, I just dropped episode 95 uh, the, the day before we were recording this. Beautiful. So. Uh, yeah, and it's my first solo one. We've we've always had a guest or done it together. It was my first solo episode yesterday. It was just me talking about Adobe Max and, mm-hmm. and uh, pop-up crop. That podcast has given us the chance to talk to old friends, uh, new friends. We've we've had some interesting guests. We've had one of our favourite ones was Austin Cleon mm-hmm. because he inspired the book Photograph Like a Thief. So the work we've put into that and the results we've had from it and the feedback and, you know, when I first used to go to events, people would walk up to me because me and Glenn uh, met Scott Kelby introduced us. So we've known each other for nine years now. Mm-hmm. Whenever I used to go to events, because he was always a little a little bit further ahead of me, he was the known, he was the talent and I was his mate. <laughs> so <laughs> like I'd go that. along to events and they'd be, oh, hi, Dave, how you doing? I'd be like, oh, great, fantastic, thank you. And then they'd go, where's Glenn? Uh, and then I'd be, oh, okay. So, but as then time went on, people started to know I was a graphic designer and then they'd talk to me about design, but it would always be, oh, hi, Glenn, where's Dave? Oh, hi, Dave, where's Glenn? When we did the podcast, all of a sudden it was a level playing field. Everybody comes up to us and to every single person, the first thing they say is, mate, love the podcast. It's they don't talk about Glenn's photography. They don't talk about my design. They don't talk about he's working on this amazing project at the moment called three nine four five portraits, and he's mm-hmm. photographing as many World War Two veterans as he can, um, and printing them out and giving them to the families so that when they lose their loved one, they've got something. That that has started to come into it more. They talk to him about that, but ninety nine percent of the time, people come up and go, "Man, love the podcast," and. That's incredible. That that just gives me huge satisfaction because it's again it's a thing I never thought I'd do, but the timing was right. I said to him, "Should we have a go? Should we do a couple of episodes and see how well it goes down?" Yeah. 
and we've done 95 episodes we've had a hundred and i think we're on about something like 156,000 downloads so it's 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 good numbers it's really not as good as other podcasts from our peers that we know of but we've been pleased with the, the feedback we've had and the fact that people are listening to it we've got 40 i think like 40 percent of our listeners are american we've got more more american than uk uh australia and canada uh are up there in the top four I think, I think canada i think canada are third australia's fourth um and ireland is fifth but yeah that's just been a, a, so satisfying because it was something again that was born of years of other things happening Mm -hmm. to then it would kind of uh well i listen to a lot of podcasts to help my job uh every day like podcasts on my netflix i just binge everything no i hear you there so when you're equal when when i'm like you know there on there on itunes next to you and next to other podcasts that i listen to like adventures in design uh master of one uh creative waffle there's you know when i see it when i'm with my peers in that group and, mm-hmm. and you, you see yourself going up and down that chart it, that's, <laughs> <laughs> it becomes obsessive but no it's that that the, the podcast and the book are probably my two my two biggest satisfactions right now awesome that's so, so good i know what you mean by saying you know you're seeing all these um you know your your podcast design network you know your buddies and their awesome podcasts you know in that art and design category bouncing around yeah, up yeah, and down yeah. the list everybody you know it's yeah it's fun to watch it's fun to watch definitely i yeah. i um very early on in this podcast venture decided you know I don't care what the numbers are. I don't care what the ranking is. I don't, it doesn't matter. As long as I'm having a great chat with my guest and somebody gets some value out of that conversation, that's incredible. Exactly. Exactly. The only reason we said we, we look at the stats is just purely to see, are we kind of, are we on a level? Mm-hmm. Are we getting this kind of same people coming back? Are we of value enough that kind of the same amount of people keep coming back to listen to us? Mm-hmm. And if it tapers, so be it. We have fun recording it. We have fun connecting with guests and, mm-hmm. and getting some like real hidden little gems or just chatting to old friends. It's an excuse to talk to someone. Hundred <laughs> percent. I remember someone saying to you, "I only go to the optician so someone will look into my eyes." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so, Dave, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Oh, I've I've got short multiple answers for these because okay. uh, design products are going to be Creative Cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, illustrator in design photoshop um i'm learning premiere pro i'm learning audition i'm learning after effects now i i will put my hand up and say adobe make the tools that have given me a living mm-hmm. adobe make the tools that give my company a chance to exist mm-hmm. they innovate uh they give me things i can learn i am i'm not paid by them i'm just very much of the opinion that if if there's a tool out there that's given me a chance to earn money and put food on the table, I don't care if it's a difference. There's a big difference between expensive and affordable. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I say to people. It's only too expensive if you can't afford it. Yes. If you can't afford it, I'd be questioning 
how you're making money and how much you're making money and why you're happy to spend money on Netflix, Hulu, Disney, Spotify, iTunes Music and any other leisure subscription, uh-huh. but you're not prepared to pay an amount of, of money less than those combined for a tool that makes you money. Totally. Um, yeah. So creative cloud for me all day long, um, been using it ever since and it, it gives me what I need. Mm-hmm. As for a tool, I would say astute graphics plugins. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, going to promote them because when illustrate, when Adobe illustrators users see what we make, you'll realize it's not a gimmick that we're making this is stuff that illustrators should be doing and stuff that you won't ever get from the illustrator team um that that we are we are constantly working on so that as a tool for me it gives me a living but also i'm i'm a user i I was a customer before i worked for them Uh um so that for me it is my favorite tool uh I, I get a lot of value from websites. I've have I have an obsession with field notes. <laughs> so as we speak, they dropped their winter edition today. I uh, saw today. that post actually. Yeah, and uh, they've had a really good year this year. I have to say, um, for anyone listening, if you don't know what field notes are, that's uh, it's fifty percent owned by Aaron Draplin and a guy called Jim Cudell. They've been going for 10, 10 or twelve years now. And they drop a quarterly shipment of field notes. Now, I've had a few conversations with people about this. The value of field notes increases much better than actually putting money in the bank and earning interest. (laughs) So two things. One, I love them as a product. I love supporting Aaron and Jim because I love what they do. But they, man, they drop some beautiful notebooks. And I can't help sometimes but keep going to their website and thinking, Mm -hmm. just one more pack. Just, maybe I'll just need two more. Just, one, just one more. <laughs> just, just one more. Yeah, and then you see some <laughs> random collaboration that you start getting all excited about, and you go on a hunt for that. So that's quite satisfying. Um, so yeah, I, I'd love. Uh, I love Field Notes website. Uh, there's a book company called Unit Editions, uh, based in London, and they make some beautiful design books. Uh, they just done a Polisher. Uh, two books of Paula Scher. They did Lance Wyman monograph. They did a Herb Lubalin, uh, two books of Herb Lubalin. They did a great book on Letras, the history of Letras set. Mm-hmm. Uh, I discovered them from seeing a book on Aaron Draplin's bookshelf on a, on a blog once looked to see what this book was discovered who made it. And now I'm constantly waiting for the next Kickstarter release or, or what they're releasing next and spend way too much money on their books. <laughs> um, there's a website called InDesign Secrets that I I think it's InDesignSecrets.com that I've learned InDesign from to become, you know, the teacher that I am. So they're they're a great website. And community I can't live without, as I include as as this back. You can tell I prepared this answer. Yeah. I love the conference community. Uh, I love the design community as a whole. I love the podcast community. But you can't beat being in front of people. And I'm a huge advocate of this. And I'm really hoping uh, that an idea for a class I've put forward for Creative South is going to happen with a lady called Diane Gibbs. If mm-hmm. you've not had her on, you should have Diane on okay. from Design Recharge. Um, going to events, it can be expensive. But man, the value you get from the relationships you build, it's such an investment in your career. So I love Creative South. 
Um, I just came back from Adobe Max, which is obviously the mothership for Adobe, but you make a lot of connections there with vendors and designers and and design friends that come along. Uh, there's an event called Crop run by Matt Dawson, um, who's Stay Grade Pony Boy. They're having their fifth anniversary event next year, yeah. two weeks after Creative South, and they've got some amazing guests. They've got Rob Zilla, they've got Aaron Draplin, they've got the Hood Sisters. Uh, so really, uh, uh, Scotty Russell from Perspective Collective. Perspective Collective, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Mike Mike Jones has got an equally family reunion, 10-year anniversary, two weeks before. And, and there's some immense talent it's not too busy there's just enough people there that you can get around and see all the people you want those kind of events go to local design events I, I you know that is one of my most favorite things that i i have to have as part of my career or my interest mm-hmm. is going you know i, I said two over the last two weeks from the 31st of October, I flew out. I did Adobe max. That was 15 to 15, 16,000 people. It was huge, mm-hmm. but got a lot of value from it. Um, particularly for work. I, then from there, I went on to pop up crop, which is about 150 people guests, uh, designers I'd not really met before. Um, so I met some of them and got to talk about student and design and print and the guys from industry were there, mm-hmm. which was really cool to meet them. Uh, then I came home and Mark, who we've mentioned from Creative Waffle, put on his first live event. Now, so awesome Mark, of him. He's 21. He put on an event. He got one of the biggest design agencies in London to come and do a talk. Unpaid. Um, he hired the event. He got merchandise done. He had sponsorship from like awesome merchandise and the London Graphic Design Centre. It, it, it was just... He, he just put on such a good event i think about 70 odd people turned up uh ian barnard the lettering guy uh did a talk as well about funding your passion tom ross from design cuts did a talk mark up there was people doodling uh, like a, a sketch wars thing uh so I, I kind of went from like huge to intermediate mid-sized to small, to small. <laughs> but you know what I got equal value from all three. That's incredible. I, I met new people that I'd only seen on social media, mm-hmm. developed a couple of relationships that are going to turn into other projects. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that was a long answer. It's a very drappling kind of answer, <laughs> but I really wanted to share those things because they are, those things are really important to me. They, they make me who, who I am and what I do. I love that answer. And I unfortunately wasn't able to make any of those events this year, but next year I am dedicating to just go big with events because I cannot wait to get out. And I've met some of these people in person, but a lot of them I have great relationships with online and we connect on Skype and over the phone, you know, other times other than just the podcast I've done with them. But being there in person, being able to buy them a drink and that sort of thing, like I'm really looking forward to connecting that way as well. Yeah, okay. So it's expensive. Yeah, there's travel involved. I have to come from the UK. You'd have to fly down from Canada. Mm-hmm. We've both got experience TSA one way or another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, just being able to pick one. So something like Creative South, you know, it's three hundred dollars. Um, or if you're a student, it's cheaper. It's in small town, so the you know the accommodation's cheap. If you share a room with someone, it's even more affordable. And it's a small community. Mm-hmm. But Mike, what Mike's built enables the bigger names to come 
there's no green room there's no ego like everyone's on a level playing field and uh, and this talk that i'm trying to put together one of the things we talk about is it's okay to talk to strangers <laughs> i know we told as a kid not to but when you're a grown-up yeah it's absolutely fine to talk to strangers because uh there was a tweet not that long ago by a, a quite well-known uh, influencer who i actually like i just didn't agree with his tweet and he posted um sorry i sorry i didn't stop to make small talk with you i was busy making progress hmm. and i just thought how like how arrogant is that because i'm sitting here being interviewed by a prominent podcaster talking about my career that has been built on small talk uh-huh. it's been built on stopping and and staying with somebody for a little bit longer to talk a little bit longer about something than go off and you know oh there's a much bigger thing over there a friend of mine said um really good story lesson integrity versus what's in it for me uh-huh. and he said and that is when you're at school there's a girl in your class that not many people pay much attention to, but she comes and asks you to go to the prom with her and you say yes. And that's what's going to happen. That's in- integrity. You've, you've been asked, you said yes. But then the really hot girl in the class comes over and says she wants you to go to the prom with her. That's You then look at it and go, okay, here's the girl that no one really pays any attention to. And here's the, the hottest girl in the class that would look really good. So do I go for integrity or do I go for what's in it for me? Uh-huh. If you go for what's in it for me, you're going to crush that person uh-huh. and you that will live with you. You will always remember that you did that. Uh-huh. But if you stay with integrity and do the right thing, that will have so much value for you over time than oh. just taking the quick, quick fix. So good. Dave. I love that. And that's what you've got to do. If you're chatting to someone, don't leave them going, oh, I've got to go. Aaron Traplin's just walked in the room. <laughs> I want to go, you know. Yeah. Stay with the person you're talking to. Develop a relationship because you just never know what's going to come around from that. It could be a best friend. It could be, some said, it's not who you know, it's who they know. Uh-huh. and who know, And who knows you. Develop those relationships, go to those events and do those things. Because if you just go around chasing the big stars, you never actually connect with anybody. And and trust me, I'm, I'm sitting here absolutely giving credit to everybody I've ever met at any conference I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Because every single one of them has been influential in my career. Incredible. That's so true and so well said. Thank you. Um, Dave, I got to move on to the part that you i think you were the most nervous about for this which is the ask it forward <laughs> question yep so, <laughs> so that, man i i had a hundred questions for this perfect. but there was one that kind of stuck with me so i uh, i want to let you think about it just for a minute here because okay, i'm gonna okay. i want to get your mind spinning on the one that the previous guest has for you first oh, yeah i forgot I had to answer that oh absolutely don't think you're <laughs> off the hook from that all right coming in cold yeah. Uh, so my previous guest was Julia Masalska. She's a freelance graphic designer, also under Happy Cow Creative out of Denver, Colorado. She's got a YouTube channel. She's done some Adobe Live stuff. She's um, yeah, she's super talented, super nice. Um, and she wanted to ask, what product or service would you design or redesign or reinvent? if you were the president and could change anything? 
Oh, man, that makes my my question seem so <laughs> lame. Wow. It, do you know what? It's funny. It kind of relates to my question. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. If if I was president, I think that opens up a whole different conversation because <laughs> it's a terrifying <laughs> prospect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot. I think I think president is a quiet is a quiet kind of job at the moment. I don't think anyone pays much attention to it. Oh wow! I think that's that is a tough one. That is a tough one because I I, I don't. I don't know what I want the control over to redesign. I think if anything, I would pro and I know I get slated for this because money should go to charity and good causes, but I would kind of invest in a uh, space program. Cool. I would, I would get designers to get kids more interested in stuff like space and science. Mm -hmm. So I would probably, use money use funds to redesign the quality of products that kids get at school to help them learn more things like science and space and technology than some like crusty old book that's out of date mm -hmm. so i know it's technically not a, a, a design design but i think kids are so visual now children are so visual that those big thick old textbooks don't really cut it we've now no. got devices and things so i'd like to see educational material designed better and designed by influential designers to to get a stronger message across to kids because everything's so visual so for sure that's my that's my answer to that's that that's a great answer and i'm a big fan of like tesla and spacex and elon musk yeah. and all that kind of stuff so that makes me think spacex and i could talk about that for hours <laughs> I know. And I'm old enough to remember the first moon landing. You know, oh, I was my gosh. Three, I was three and a bit years old when that happened. So, yeah, that's that, that's that been in my lifetime. So when I see what's going on now, I'm just like, I really encourage my children to, my, my youngest daughter's doing the space project at school at the moment. So I'm mm. just pulling out all my space books and stuff from, the, from NASA and from Cape Kennedy and that's everything cool. I've got for her. So that would be my answer. All right, Dave, what is your question for my next guest? Okay, so I always joke whenever a good idea happens, and this is kind of based on Back to the Future, mm -hmm. that Marty McFly goes back and he, he steals the um, almanac that's got all the football scores in and like can come back and he can make a load of money or yeah. like, oh, a Apple's going to be good. I'm going to buy shares in that. But I was thinking, wow, if when I see design stuff I love and I think, wow, I wish I, I, wish I could have been the person invented that so my question would be if you could travel back in time and claim any graphical idea as your own what would it be and why wow that is so good okay i have to ask dave what's yours uh i want to be personal satisfaction would be i always go back and think that my favorite logo is the rolling stones tongue Mm -hmm. And I just think how cool to go back and be the person that drew that for the first time or, you know, like the lady that did the Nike swoosh. But for me, the Rolling Stones. So I just think, wow, if I could go back in time and change history, I would I know it <laughs> crushed the guy that did it. Uh, but but that that's kind of route I'm on is what would I go back and claim? 
what would I wish I could claim design for and be known for it? That's incredible. That was your Marty McFly theft moment. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Dave, you've made it to the end of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been amazing chatting with you. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Cheers, Dave. All right. That is the end of my interview with Dave Clayton. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time. I'll be back tomorrow with another one. Talk to you soon. Bye.